Good morning. Will you open up with me in your Bibles to uh, Ruth in the first chapter? Uh, we are in this uh, sermon series and at the very end of the series on family. And uh, today we're going to talk about a different kind of family. It's when our friends uh, become family. So we're going to read from Ruth uh, chapter 1 and uh, this story uh, that begins and goes through verse 18. Uh, let's begin in a word of prayer and then we'll dive right in. Father, I'm just uh, very grateful to be here. I'm grateful with, for uh, my family and friends who've gathered around to worship and honor you. Father, we're thankful for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, whom we celebrate and pray that through the power of your spirit, you will just guide and lead us as we uh, open your word, as your uh, spirit moves among us. We pray that you open up our hearts and our minds, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's talk about Ruth, starting in verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and they lived there. I want to pause for a minute say a few things about the background of this passage. The days in which the judges ruled Israel, those were difficult days to be an Israelite. Between the times of Deborah and Gideon and Samson and Samuel and all those great judges, there were times where the majority were engaged in ungodly behavior. We're told in Judges chapter 2 in verse 10 that the whole generation, that is the generation of Joshua, had been gathered to their fathers and another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And so we are told the Israelites did evil and God allowed raiders to plunder their land. And so God would raise up judges to defeat these raiders when the Israelites would repent and come back to him. I think when it says that there was famine in the land, it would indicate that Elimelech and Naomi lived during one of those in-between times between a judge being raised up and the time of evil that was happening in between. Elimelech was hungry, tired of dealing with it, and he moved to Moab. It's hard for us to picture that in our Western minds, but if you could kind of picture where they're at, they were not affected by the same famine they encountered it's not too far away. You just cross the River Jordan and you fall along the Dead Sea and you'll get to Moab. I think it's another indicator that the famine 
might have been due to the raiders in that land, this in-between time. And Moab wasn't a great place to raise a family. They believed in child sacrifice. They had temple prostitutes. It was not a good place to live. God wanted Israelites to marry other Israelites so their spouses would not introduce them to false gods in that land. But Ruth allowed her children to marry Moabite women. Let's read on, starting in verse 3. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left alone with her two children. And so they married Moabite women. One was named Orpah and the other Ruth. And after they had lived there for about 10 years, Malon and Kilian died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and without her husband. There is incredible irony here. Remember the beginning of the story. They left Israel so they wouldn't die of starvation. The famine didn't kill Elimelech, but he still died in Moab. Naomi survived the famine, but now she hungered spiritually for the loss of her loved. Malon and Kilian were married to Moabite women, and I'm sure Naomi had to teach her new daughters this new way of life and how Israelite women would have lived. That would have been very difficult for these Moabite women to learn. And then 10 years later, her sons died. And Naomi faces a similar situation. She now faces starvation again. Verse 6. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughter-in-law's daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. So with her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and she set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Now Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as he's shown to your dead and to me. And may the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Now this part of the story starts some good news. The Lord came to the aid of the people of Israel. This probably meant that they had repented and come back to God. And so Ruth says it's time to move back. Probably because in Moab, she would not have been treated nearly as good as a widow as she would in Israel. It makes sense. And she's too old to remarry, but her daughters-in-law are still young they can remarry, integrate back into Moabite society. Everything in this story so far makes logical sense, seems to track with logical and sensible actions. Your country has a famine, move. Your children are old enough to marry, get married. 
You lose everything, well, go back home. It makes worldly sense. Not everything works out in that way, as we read in verse 10. She kissed them, and they wept aloud, and she said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come to me? I'm going to have, am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then give birth to sons, would you wait till they grew up? Would you not remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it's, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. And at this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth, she clung to her. So far I have uh, approached this passage uh, with very logical conversation, a point of view that's very logical. You take all the emotions out of the equation, Naomi's decisions, her advice is wise and it's sound. She's right. These women would not be able to remarry in Israel, and she's not going to have any kids for them to remarry. Israelites are not supposed to marry Moabites, and Moabite widows are not treated nearly as well as Israelite widows. It makes sense for them to return to Moab, to remarry, to resettle. But there is something more than logic. There is something more than duty or even desperation that is driving these women to stay with Naomi. And so let's look at the final part of the story to see if we can get to the bottom of it. Starting in verse 15. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is, is going back to her people. She's going back to her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you from me. And so when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined, she stopped urging her. It's with these words that Ruth leads me to believe there is a spiritual element to this story. Now critical, critical thinkers and critical scholars have suggested that this was a romantic love between Ruth and Naomi. Mm. Others have suggested that it was desperation that drove Ruth to stay with Naomi. I don't think so. I think that is the mission of God that united these two people to become 
family. Notice that Naomi didn't just say, go back to Moab and remarry. She said, go back to Moab, go back to your gods. And she said, no, your God is my God. Your people are my people. You've heard it said that blood is thicker than water. But there are people in our lives that have been grafted into your family tree. Ruth cries out, your people will be my people, your God will be my God. This is devotion to God, uniting them as a family. Ruth was being grafted into Naomi's family tree. This is something that Jesus teaches as well. It's at the end of Matthew chapter 11 that Jesus says these famous words, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Don't you guys love that verse? It's a powerful story of how Jesus can give us rest. But what he was talking about in that passage was giving people rest from the rules and regulations of the Pharisees. That was the end of chapter 11. Chapter 12 of Matthew's gospel lists story after story of conflicts between Jesus and the Pharisees because Jesus wanted to give the people rest, but the Pharisees didn't want to give it up. The Pharisees challenged Jesus about picking some heads of grain on the Sabbath. And so they want to put this burden of the Sabbath on Jesus. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus heals someone who was demon-possessed. And so they said, no, Jesus can't be of God. He's obviously in league with the devil. That's how he's able to Heal someone who's demon-possessed. He's using the power of Satan. And Jesus had to address that. And then Jesus addresses their authority, and they demand that Jesus gives him a sign showing that he's able to do this. I mean, he did just heal a man who was demon-possessed, but I guess that wasn't good enough of a sign. So Jesus begins to teach, and he's interrupted once again, but this time he's not interrupted by the Pharisees. He's interrupted by his family, his mother Mary and his brothers. Matthew chapter 12 goes like this. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. And someone told him, Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And what did Jesus say? Here are my mothers. Here are my brothers. 
For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Do you see how Jesus uses the mission of God to unite people? Just like God is what united Ruth and Naomi, God unites us as Christians. In John's gospel, Jesus uses this vine metaphor to describe a day where you and I, Gentiles, will be grafted into the family tree of God. And then there's that beautiful scene in John chapter 19, verses 26 and 27. Jesus, who is hanging on a cross, saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. And he said to his mother, woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, his disciple took her into his home. Listen to me. Mary had four other kids, four sons, and she had daughters. We don't know how many. So what happened? The mission of God took this disciple John from friend to family. Paul uses this metaphor of family often in the New Testament. In Romans, he talks about brotherly love. And at the end of Romans, he calls a woman by the name of Phoebe, his sister. In Galatians, he calls the church the household of faith. In his letter to the Ephesians, we are citizens of heaven and members of God's household. Peter uses the term brother. John, the apostle, encouraged us to learn each other's names and show a deeper kind of love. The mission of God unites us as a family. Like Naomi and Ruth, we're different. We have different color skin. We have different accents. We're raised in different social and economical environments. But somehow, somehow we are drawn together and we're family. We talked last week. As family, sometimes we fight. Sometimes we make mistakes. But like family, we should be there for one another. We should gather. We should eat. Today, we will eat. Our meal today is a little bit more symbolic. It won't fill your stomach, but it'll fill your soul. Today, I'd like to invite my son to come up and sing a song for us to prepare our hearts for communion. As he comes to the stage, let me remind you that we have three stations for communion. And as he sings, will you go to one of these stations and take the cups? On the bottom cup, you'll find the bread, and on the top cup, you'll have juice. 
and we'll hold these cups together as he sings. We'll eat and drink as instructed. Let's pray together. Father, I am just so, so very grateful for your son, Jesus Christ, who unites us as a family. And I pray, dear Lord, that we will see it this way, treat each other this way, be united in this way. Father, guide and lead our community to be on mission for you. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.